How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and today... I have Martin McDonald on the show again. After a two-year hiatus, we have him back on and we have some really interesting questions that we're going to be covering and have covered within this episode from how much does genetics impact our ability to gain or lose fat, the efficacy of refeeds and diet breaks for the general population and also competitors, and much, much more. You're going to enjoy this episode a lot, guys. And just as a reminder, we have an email list. You might not know about that. You may already be subscribed and be getting really great information from us in your email box. And we're going to be giving out some goodies very soon. So keep your eyes peeled if you are subscribed. But if you're not, definitely check the description. There should be a link there for you to join our email list. We've been putting a lot more effort in there and we appreciate all of you joining. So guys, let's get into the episode. Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host as always, Steve Hall. And today I have Martin McDonald back on the show. I always look back when it's been a while since I know I've had someone on. It's been like two years, Martin. Can you believe it's been two years since you've come on? Is it really? Wow. Um, I did not realize it had been that long. Uh, Although the last few years, I think everyone's just got this like time warp feeling of just where has it gone? What have yeah, I done yeah. for two years? But yeah, um, yeah, it does seem a long time actually. But I, I see you on Instagram all the time, so um, sure. I think I, it just feels like it doesn't feel that long. But yeah, and actually, I need to. I never said this to you, but I I know we had a conversation about, and some of the listeners, I think I've probably spoken about it on here in terms of like my hair. And you did a podcast on kind of hair loss and shaving your head, and I mm. actually didn't catch it until recently and I was like how did I miss this because I heard you asking you were kind of run through a question that was asked I was like that sounds oddly familiar and I was like oh you're talking I think I'm pretty sure you're referring to me because then I checked through our messages and I was like yeah that was my question I was oh, like, so how have I just caught that now I feel really bad but <laughs> yeah. I have to say thank you for doing the episode because it was very enlightening I see it, it even came up recently on your Instagram people are asking about it yeah loads of people um I don't, it's funny, isn't it? How I suppose you mentioned it once and then loads of people are like, hold on, what's this? Excuse, can you tell me what a podcast episode is or what, what you're talking about? And yeah, it was, it was one of my, you know, I guess, like you say, if, if we chatted two years ago and then it would have been after that I recorded it. It's like, I know off the top of my head, it was episode 17. Um, but I kind of go through a few different things with regards to, um, I think a lot of, uh, because then when I post on my story about losing hair, I then get lots of messages from females going, I don't get what the big deal is about hair loss. And I'm like, wow, like you really lack, uh, whether it's emotional intelligence or empathy or just insight. It's like, as a male, you know, you're always kind of, I always get told off as you're aware don't talk about female issues, leave it to women. I'm like, I literally have an academic background in polycystic. You know, it's like, I can talk about this. I'm not trying to talk about your feelings. Um, But we're all kind of aware that 
you know, as, as a woman, there's these different body image issues that, that maybe are pushed more on females in terms of beauty standards, but just the absolute, um, I don't get what it is about men losing their hair. Why does anyone care? It's like, because it's just a change in who you are from being young to feeling like you're growing up, like to even just, um, the stigma of, you know, in the, the, quote unquote bullying or nastiness or, oh your hair's receding you know just locker room banter but it's not just that it's everyone online it's nasty men and women commenting on celebrities like it's just and I said in the episode like I cried when I shaved my head and um I w- it, the, the episode is basically what I would say to my younger self about male pattern boldness but you know the the um kind of uh, different creams and sprays and um, medications I took and then ended up this was the big thing that came up in my story recently people saying you know I wish I had listened to that podcast sooner my husband feels like he's been chemically castrated because I of the that. you saw that yeah um, and like I got the horrible side effects that some people do like I, the reason I started doing it is because I had a friend who had really thin really um, really losing his hair and then I didn't know him at the time but the the guy I know now has kind of hair similar to yours just like really thick really like good like the kind of guy people comment on his hair (laughs) and he's like yeah I used to have hair like yours I was like you definitely didn't that's definitely not true um and it just for him it just worked wonders it's it's the same drugs that if you have a hair transplant they you have to take them to to kind of help it, but okay. Anyway, uh, that that's going off on one, but yeah. That, if, <laughs> yeah. if anyone wants to go listen to that one, get, knock yourself out. <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the comment on the hair. I'm doing a good job of hiding the the receding parts. Okay, do cool. You, do, are you a fan of Dragon Ball at all? Dragon Ball Z. Uh, I don't watch it, but I obviously see all of the memes. Okay. Uh, just thinking it's like a Vegeta. I've got like the, the V here. I'm just hiding gotcha. it with the fringe. Okay, cool. <laughs> and I also saw you've been, um, just complete side tangent, but I'm just catching cool. up with you a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, and people enjoy this. So uh, I, I've seen you've been doing the fake tattoos. I literally got a whole forearm sleeve this year. So I've got the whole, even the Is hands that, all done. That's real, obviously. Yeah, it's all real. Yeah, so okay. this was hours of needling in my arm. So oh, geez. you just haven't yeah. committed to that. <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't know if you can see any of them. Oh yeah, oh, there, yeah. There, there's one. Uh, and then I got one here, which is actually a not safe for work one. So I won't show <laughs> it. Um, and then I got one on, on here. But I, yeah, I I went to a, a party and it was just like, it was just a, a it was a very cool scene. And I'm very vanilla in, you know, like I, I sort of started wearing these black rings. Everyone thinks these are um, that those fancy aura rings. rings, aura rings. Yeah. I, I literally have people going, I see you've got aura rings. What do you think? And I'm like, what, what, what's that? These are literally £4.99 from Amazon. I just typed in men's large black ring. Also, safe search if you do search that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But... Everyone's like, and then and then I did a, a residential for MNU, and some of the students were like, "Are you doing a study? Like, why are you wearing three at once?" And I was like, <laughs> "They're just, they're just fashion, you know, fa- quote unquote fashionable." Um, just because I am such so vanilla, 
And anyway, so I was like, I need a tattoo. Oh, I've got a little neck one here. Sarah says, I can't have anything on my neck because it makes me look like a thug. So I was like, cool. I'm getting a neck. (laughs) (laughs) It's very quaint. Just I like little quote ones and stuff. Anyway, it was just, but I just, I don't think I'll ever get a permanent one because I love the variety. I love to change it here, there and everywhere. Like variety, spice of life, I think. And also pain and expense (laughs) of having a real one. I just don't think I'll ever commit. Um, But I just, I just do think they're really cool. No, that's, yeah, they are, they can be, it's the time that you just have to sit there and endure this consistent, oh, like, yeah. beasting, essentially. That's yeah. relatively off-putting, but, yeah, it's I, It's so funny you said you're vanilla just because that's me. Like, when people see me getting a tattoo, they're like, you're the last person I thought would get one. It's like, yeah. I'm like that's why I almost got it. Because I'm just yeah. like, like yeah. you with the rings, I was just like, I just want someone else about me. So yeah. these are all dra- Dragon Ball Z, actually. So okay. um, cool. that, that anime got me through, like, contest prep and shit times. So really? <laughs> kind of yeah, just reminds cool. me of Yeah, a bit meaningful. Yeah, cool. and then I just wanted to say, just so the listeners, because it has mm-hmm. been two years since you've come on, I imagine, but I don't want to assume everyone knows exactly who you are, and we've just kind of talked about kind of things that <laughs> don't show your expertise in any no, way. Okay. But Martin, uh, he's a clinical performance nutritionist, uh, CEO of Mac Nutrition, a nutritional cons- consultancy company. Um, and I always recommend if people are asking me, like, oh, who do you recommend in terms of like getting further education about nutrition? It's like. It's always mm. MNU. Um, mm, they're you. always the one that comes first to mind. And uh, a question, I guess, that people might have for you, Martin, is what sets MNU apart from other courses out there? Yeah. Um, the, uh, I've been asked sort of things like this. I get asked on my Instagram story all the time. And, you know, can you compare your course to XYZ that I'm considering? And it's, um, you know, I, I I say this as well. I feel very privileged to be the CEO of of such a qualification and how the industry, you know, like yourself, it's it's humbling to when someone like yourself and and many other big industry names saying, um, you know, it's the it's the go to nutrition qualification. It's kind of becoming a bit of a gold standard in terms of the health and fitness industry, in terms of someone wants to be a nutritionist. You know, we have this MNU certified nutritionist trademark. And, um, you know, the, one of the things we've been really working hard on is these bespoke insurance policies. So once you graduate, you're actually able to practice, be insured to practice in, um, I think it's 30 or more con- different countries now and, um, and, and online globally, you know, with the, in the new world that we live in where people work with so many, you know, as I guess you work with loads of people online, it's, if you could only work with people in your own country, it would kind of suck. So it's been fantastic that we now, let's say you live in Canada or America or Australia or uh, South Africa, you know, England, wherever you can work with clients globally um, and be insured to do so. And in this day and age, that's becoming more and more important, kind of not for nice reasons, I guess. Um, but yeah, what the thing that makes us different, I really think is just the fact that it's, we very much set up at, you know, Mac Nutrition Uni. I always cringe a little bit when people say Mac Nutrition University, because in the UK, that's um, a protected title. So you're not like, you're not allowed to 
we okay. we're not allowed to say that. Whereas like Squat University, do you follow them on Instagram? Yeah. So th- I would love to call it like Malnutrition University. And the same as them, there's like powerlifting university, there's like SEO, university, all this stuff. Uh, and it's annoying, we can't because that in the UK where we are a company, you can't use. But we very much align ourselves with that level of education. You know, if people say, you know, what level is your course? I'm like, well, it's kind of like level five, level six. I, I, I I did the typical thing. I did my degree. I did my master's. I did my postgraduate in clinical nutrition. And the content that you learn on MNU is of that level. We get rid of the, the bump, the Krebs cycle, the, you, you know, the real hardcore biochemistry that you might learn at university. The, you know, people sort of say, what's the difference between doing a registered nutritionist degree and a dietetics degree in MNU? And I'm like, well, go look at the modules. Like, look at MNU. You got specific modules on all of the areas of body composition that we just know is the majority of people's clients, you know, fat loss, muscle gain, and everything involved in and around that in terms of the behavior change stuff that you need to, to lead to those endpoints. Um, as well as then like the consultation techniques and how to work with clients. And then obviously some of the baseline important fundamental biochemistry of protein, carbs, and fats, and that jazz, we don't, you have to teach some of it and a bit of research methods and stuff. Um, and then we obviously have our performance nutrition stuff, because again, you work as a nutritionist and you're going to end up with someone who wants to do a marathon or wants to do a physique show or wants to prep for a photo shoot or, you know, wants to be crazy and do an Ironman triathlon or something disgusting. Um, and so we have those modules, but then you, you look at what people learn in degrees and it's like new food technology and food policy in the EU. And like it, you, you do three years and the amount of actual nutrition in those degrees, like why do we have so many people who've done nutrition degrees do M and U because they leave their degrees and they don't know how to work with people. They haven't been told how to do a consultation. Like the, the, the other thing in terms of your question, what's different from other, say, even online certifications is we support people with their businesses. So you get a whole year of the professional mentoring in the mentoring lab, which you obviously came and did um, a yep. webinar for us, which is really great. Um, you know, teaching people stuff that to be their own boss to set up the nutrition consultancy to set, you know, to set up, you know, do, do social media well, or do the online world well to get clients. And so I think just, and the final thing, the first thing that came to my head when you asked the question actually was just the, the, the tutor support. Like we are legitimately there. I, I was brushing my teeth last night and I thought to myself, we tell people that we're, we're available 365 days a year. And we genuinely are. Um, but I thought to myself, we don't have a Christmas day rotor and I, I, we just do it because like my staff, you know, the tutors, they're absolutely fantastic. And if they, if no one's available, I do it. But I just thought, I really want to make sure we always honor that. Like we, people are 
crazy. There will be someone studying on Christmas Day. There yeah. will be someone studying on, on New Year's Day. There will be. Like, we are in 80 different countries now. Someone will be that guy or that girl. Um, so we have to hold true. But um, I just think at university, I, in my three-year undergraduate degree, I probably saw my tutor once personally. And you, in MNU, it's like, I, li- I don't understand this slide. But we, we actually went to Dublin to the Sigma um, event. And one of the students said, an MNU student who is there, she comes up to me in the break and she goes, I'm really struggling with not being able to pause and rewind. And I was just like, (laughs) and it's it's amazing because you go to university and I cannot fathom thinking back that all of us did a three-year degree and there was about two people who took dictaphones to those lectures. They They weren't filmed. If you weren't there, you just missed that information. Yeah, I can't believe it is crazy. But you were a geek. You were you were shunned if you had a dictaphone. You sat the front. <laughs> yeah, no one liked you. Uh, so it's it's I'm all right because I've got you know I'm blessed with a very good memory, and but you've got people who are just there like yeah gone nothing. Some ch- lecturers didn't even give you the slides. Yeah, um, we're there going. You can watch every lecture multiple times. You can, here's all of the slides, here's all of the references, he's like, yeah. So it's a, it's a different world. We, uh, one of my friends yeah. who is a, a very uh, successful senior lecturer said, you're going to put universities out of business. And I said, that is definitely not my goal, but that's a really big compliment. Yeah. No, I mean, I can only like completely agree with a lot of those points. Cause I think about even when I did like little things like my PT qualification, like it, mm. you learn a bunch of stuff that's completely irrelevant and you don't learn a lot of stuff that's practically relevant. And you just put out to the world to be a personal trainer. Now one-on-one yeah. you're like, I don't know how to, to, I've never been told how a consultation should go or things like this. So yeah. the fact you don't even get, you just give, you don't just give the knowledge and the practical mm. knowledge. You then give them the next steps of, okay, and this is how you actually put this into a career now. I think that's, I mean, that's what, that, that's why people, I think, sign up to a course. And so you actually provide that versus just like part of that puzzle. Yeah. It makes me laugh actually when you talk about, you know, personal trainer qualifications. One of, me and one of my very close friends, we don't train much together anymore, but we would always joke about the, uh, the way that you would, they would teach you spotting in, uh, in the personal trainer course, like about, uh, whenever you're doing like French press or like skull crushes, whatever. And it was like, and it was literally like, so he will do this when he'll lift it over my face and he'll go your bar. And then he won't, he won't let go of it. And I'm like, yeah, I've got it. And he goes, you have to say, I've got that bar. Oh, I got that. Yeah. (laughs) And so he makes me say, I've got that bar. And then, and then I'm laughing and it ruins my set. But yeah, (laughs) it's, it's so, I just don't understand why people create courses that are so far from reality it's it's bonkers anyway yeah yeah that's off topic (laughs) no pascal here i just quickly wanted to remind you of our online coaching service at revive stronger we put a huge emphasis on the personal aspect of our coaching and if you want to take your physique and knowledge to the next level hit the link in the description below no no for sure and um so people know you said you're launching in a few weeks time right and this will probably come out this coming Saturday, so yeah, so so yeah, Quite in a few soon. weeks, thirteenth of July, um, yeah, enrollments open for this year's. We only do one intake a year now, so the September intake. So, yes, if people want to 
enroll. That's that's the date, 13th. I, th- I can't remember how long they're open for, but not long. Places okay. fill up quick. Um, but I guess if people... I guess it's a nice reminder for those of your listeners who who know me and listening and are probably are thinking about it. It's a good reminder. If someone's just like listen to this and go, oh, I would like to be able to talk about research that way, understands, you know, critical thinking in that way. Emma, you sounds like something I could do. Then just drop us an email and, you know, Mac Nutrition Uni is just type that into the internet and everything will come up. But uh, yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, so on the point of obviously you talked about your training i think we referenced it a little bit last time i always say i like to kind of talk to people who because i think it's great like someone like brad schoenfeld he's the one that always comes to mind like he's in the gym also training and he's a practitioner obviously i don't think you're doing like research at the moment but you are heavily like looking at it and keeping involved with it and obviously you have your course and everything but you lift as well um people might know your triceps probably fairly (laughs) notorious uh how's uh, have you been putting forward effort towards that i think last time we spoke you were thinking about taking it like up a notch but i don't know if that's continued yeah i obviously things happened (laughs) yeah so i think when we last spoke i have been saying that i really wanted to start pushing things since i think it was like say january 2020 and then obviously the world changed and um you know gyms closing this that and the other and, and i I think I may have even said at the time, I felt a bit bad that I built this amazing office gym and then just didn't have the motivation to train. But then, you oh, know, you're killing me. Yaddy, yaddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and so, but since that then's changed, it's just, I have gone through some really good short training blocks and, um, And it have fought, it's bad. I, re, I had to join a public gym to motivate myself to train because I just don't, I am a people person in general. I am very extroverted training on my own. I just could not do it. So going, going to a public gym just gave me a bit of a, it just was part of a bit of a routine. I am at work and at the office so much. Um, so yeah, I have done some good training blocks and uh, I even started training legs a little bit, which uh, <laughs> as someone who basically went, went about five years ago, there is no point in me training legs because <laughs> I'm never going to compete again. Uh, but then, you know, my old bodybuilding ways came back in. I was like, I'm so unbalanced. This is disgusting. <laughs> so um I have put a bit of legs back in, but just at the minute, it's very, very maintenance simp just because like my, my personal life has just been here, there and everywhere have had no routine. Um, and, but fortunately recently I've sort of a bit more understanding of my consistent routine, childcare and all this, that and the other. And, um, so we'll get there. Uh, unfortunately kids, some holidays coming up, uh, I, I might have to write off the summer a little bit, but then, yeah, I'll get back into it. And uh, sounds like you need a coach. No, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I probably do, but I'm just, I, I'm, te- I'm terrible. I just don't listen to people. So I just, I don't want, I don't, I don't want someone else to be like, you're an idiot. You're, you're a terrible <laughs> client because I would be. Um, yeah, I guess in in some ways this is a nice example, at least from the outside looking in. 
it's nice how little, not how little, but you've maintained a really decent physique considering how like almost sporadic it's somewhat been. I obviously don't know the details of how much sure. you've been doing, but it doesn't sound like it's been like, I don't know, you know, bodybuilders, what they're like. They're gaining, yeah. like me, gaining barely anything, training six days a week, <laughs> like every yeah. day. So. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was one of our podcasts where we discussed this, but I did discuss it, but there's, there, there's one study and it annoys me now because it's just not even in the peripheries of my mind, but essentially I, th- I think it was a 12 week training study. Do you remember if we discussed this and essentially one group trained for the entire 12 weeks and one group just didn't train and then trained for the six weeks. So they just trained 50% of the time. And, you know, if, if you're talking about natural muscle gain and the, um, speed with which that occurs in trained individuals and the ability of the measures that we use to assess muscle gain, muscle size, et cetera, whether that's looking at muscle thickness with ultrasound or if we're using DEXA scan, but then we've just got all issues with the kind of hydration of fat-free mass and fat mass altering the results. Like it's a big deal. But you talk about this, a 12-week training study, which again is a, you you don't get year two, year three, year training studies. They don't happen, you know, talking of someone like Brad Schoenfeld, who's who's doing these studies. Like, oh, Brad, why can't you do a five-year study on, it's like, so that we can see. Um, and so, you know, you look at the, and, and in this study where basically one group just simply trained for half the time, we understand that things like, uh, you know, muscle memory. So you just don't train for a few weeks and then you go back in and just make these massive gains for, for say the six weeks and pretty much you're plus or minus this, this sort of standard error of measurement in a study as the group that trained solidly six days a week for 12 weeks. And unfortunately for someone like me, it just puts me off training hard. <laughs> like, yeah. because I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, other factors come into play. And it's like, like, again, for me, what's my, what's my driver? I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm not competitive. I'll never be competitive to a level where I'm like, you know, I, I would like to do something where I think oh, I could win. Now I'm just like, cool if I can look a certain way, I'm not there trying to be better than anyone. I'm not, you know, not that I know in, in your world of natural bodybuilding, the, the biggest thing is you, you're there to beat yourself. But, but when you step on stage, no one goes there to go, I couldn't care less where I place. I think I even saw something from you, you know, someone super humble, super involved in the process, super like you love the process. It, it seems to me, but you still, i correct me if I'm wrong, please sort of said, I'm a bit disappointed, you know, oh, with yeah. placing. Cool. And it's like, you're someone who's not there going, I'm the man, I'm going to be the best. I'm better than him. I'm da da da. But it's just like, you don't go to just, you can just do a photo shoot. If you're going to do that, it's like, I'd like to do, go and do my best showing and actually to place well. Now, again, in a place like bodybuilding, I'm like, it, it's who turns up on the day you know, you just get some freak. I still, I can still remember the NPA Yorkshire. I rocked up 
in shape and a guy called Jay Hollingsworth rocked up and I, th- uh, I think I'm, it might have been the under 21 category and he looked like he was about 50 years old <laughs> yeah. the, I, I don't know if you're aware of him it, like he I might recognize a picture I don't recognize sure. the name I know the MPA they're still uh, just about going yeah and you know the MPA like great organization in terms of it was everyone's like no natural bodybuilders are natural and it was just like I they are like you are that all the people I can like People just don't want to believe some of the natural physiques that are out there. And you go, I, this guy, look how he looks. You look at someone like Kai Green, everyone's like, he's not natural, you know, when he, when he probably was. Right. To then, to then what he looks like when he definitely isn't natural. And it's like, boom, put another hundred plus pounds of muscle on him. It's like, you think he was using then, do you? And some people will go, oh no, he did some extra special drug cycle, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ah, plus or minus, whatever. But um, anyway, there was lots of speculation around this guy. And I'll be honest, I, I think he could well have been natural. But I just was like, this is disgusting. I, I'm the best I've ever been. And I look like a child. <laughs> like I'm 21. I look like a 12 year old boy next to this guy. Uh, it was just soul destroying. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, how did we get onto that? How do we get onto natural bodybuilding training? It, it's depressing. I'll never yeah. compete again. For me now, it's like go and do a load of volume on my arms you know, wear short sleeves, have triceps. <laughs> um, you know, no one cares if I've got a balanced physique. No one cares if no. I've got a big, if I've got a decent lat spread. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> and and what do I do? I just do it for me, like, cool. Um, without the stress of having to be better year on year. I really like that because it. I think it's just refreshing because I have clients probably who are actually similar to yourself in some ways and in, in the fact that like they're not looking to compete. They're just doing it for themselves. And it's like, yeah. but they set themselves up to the standards of like someone like myself. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like there's a huge diminishing returns to the, to the yeah. level I'm going to. Yeah. For you, you can just like put in this more moderate approach. You'll get way more bang for your buck. Kind of the, almost the Pareto rule applies in this case where like exactly. there's only a, like few things you get almost everything. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I'm not a training specialist in any way, shape or form. I always get asked, training questions on instagram and i end up just making jokes about them they're like oh i've got this patella issue and blah 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 squats you know what do you think i should do for my training and i'll just i'll just go my expert recommendation is more bicep curls like that's just, that's why <laughs> yeah. i like standard and then in the subtext i'm just like please there's such better people to ask than me my name is literally martin nutrition on instagram not martin training but they just go well you you look like you train you I can probably ask you and I'm like no ask someone who's but I think in the in the training literature it's like you can just train essentially one once a week and you can pretty much maintain the level you're that that you're at you know it's like give or take if you had enough volume in that session did some sort of full body thing and you're not at the peak of wherever you are train once a week you can get some maintenance trace you know so I think people need to remember that. It's like you take a week or two off the gym. It's like you don't lose all of your gains. Like it's just not the thing. So that's what I'm telling myself at the minute because <laughs> I haven't trained for about two weeks. But it's part, and I, again, it's I think it's refreshing for people to hear and like 
like mm-hmm. priorities you have your priorities in check whereas there are some yeah. people who have their priorities sometimes if training is like your number one priority above everything else in your life something's a bit off yes. so i think it's refreshing for people to as you know get a, a reminder of that fact yeah good. uh should we dig into the first question I've got here? Go for it. Let's go for it. So um, this one, I don't think actually a lot of these questions, either the, definitely the first time I've asked you and they may be the first time they've actually come up on the podcast. I think this is the first time it's oh, come cool. on the podcast. So it was essentially uh, how much do genetics impact our ability to lose fat or gain it? Like, is there a, because I think there's some people are just like, even actually as a competitor, I think there are some people out there like, oh, everyone can get like as shredded glutes as you might not know him, Brett Freeman. He's like insane, like bodybuilder. Just gets like a walnut. But anyway, there'll be those. You, you may have seen him, and uh, and equally, like people will say, oh, I don't know anyone who's obese. It's all in their control, and there's yeah. no like genetic component. So I'd love to hear what is actually the truth. Yeah, um, the it does. I, I get these messages sometimes saying. Oh, there's this thing on TV saying that, um, you know, people are, are more genetically prone to being obese. Like, can you call it out? And it's they put me in a really awkward situation because I'm like, you're wrong. Like, I'm going to have to call you out. And you're here in my DMs going like, oh, can you believe this rubbish? And I'm like, you need to calm down. And they're... Unfortunately, they're, they're sometimes quite new to the game. They've, they've found out that, um, you know, they've maybe seen me calling out the people who go, yeah, carbs aren't the reason that we're all fat. And, um, you know, insulin isn't the thing we all need to pay attention to and, and yada, yada, yada. But then, and, and that, you know, they have an understanding of energy balance from following me. So they're like, yeah, they just need to eat less. It's so simple. Just eat less and move more, man. And that's it. And it's this very, very simplistic new, essentially Dunning-Kruger. Um, they're not doing anyone any harm, but they are overzealous in their newfound empowered state of, I understand how to change my body composition to an extent, but genetics play a huge role in like just about everything to, to the point where you can really go too far with it and start discussing, you know, beyond, beyond the, the physiological of, you know, my genetics do this to my physiology, but maybe my genetics impact my psychology to the point where actually how much of a motivated individual I am comes back somehow to my genetics. It isn't just, it's the discussion of nature versus nurture. So nature being, you know, in in a dumbed down way, genetics and nurture being how you were brought up to what life experiences you've had to the environment that you live in, et cetera, et cetera. And so genetics do have this big role that the thing that's important, I think as a baseline for this question is what impacts, well, we're going back to principles and sorry, you know, for your listeners who are like advanced and they know this stuff so well, but let's just go back to the principle of say fat loss. 
and we're, we're talking about an energy deficit. The body needs to be in this situation where the flux of energy or, or the flux of fat is greater out of the system than into the system. So we can, you know, people can do this whole mental masturbation thing of, well, actually, you know, you could be burning carbs and be in a deficit and not actually use any fat. And it's like, just shut up. Like nobody cares, Kevin, like go back to Reddit and chat about that stuff. We're talking about the real world here. If someone is longitudinally in a situation of a deficit, people will lose some fat. Your body will start doing that. You know, I had a comment on my Facebook page the other day. Well, actually, in a in the situation of someone stuck in the desert with no access to any macronutrients, wouldn't the body actually favor taking from muscle tissue first? And I was like, and I just replied back, why would it why would the body do that? Like based on what? Are you just making up this random scenario and going, well, I think the body would do this. I'm like, go look at some research go look at you know the starvation response what happens to protein degradation oh it goes down like let's not make this stupid crazy scenario that's hopefully never going to happen to anyone where they're stuck on a desert island starving to death let's take it back to someone just in a normal calorie deficit and so in so in this situation we have this principle of okay uh fat loss we need a negative fat balance in the body and people go oh yeah but it's it's about genetics bro like don't you need to just know don't you need to change things for the genetics it's like no i'm talking about a principle they need to be in a deficit yeah but yeah but what if someone's hypothyroid yeah they still need to be in a deficit and well you know i've got you know i work with a client she had pcos then what she still needs to be in a deficit. This is it. it what I sometimes try and do is take it to, okay, boiling water. What's the principle? You know, people go, okay, but she, her calories were this and she didn't lose fat. Okay, well, then she wasn't in a deficit. So then you go, okay, boiling water. What's the principle? If I have some water in a pan and I want to make it boil, what do I do? I apply heat. Does anyone ever go, how many, and I'm not a physicist or anything, but, you know, how much energy do I need to apply to this water to make it boil? No, you, we just go, I know the principle is I add energy, I add heat, and it boils. Cool. Now, you, 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 go, you go and boil that water at altitude. Now, altitude changes the point at which water boils so, so it's to do with atmospheric pressure and it's the higher up you are the the lower the temperature at which water boils so you don't go oh do you need to change the macronutrients do you need to change the type of heat you're applying do you need a blue flame or a red flame do you need it like no i'm applying heat to the system and it happens at a different point so when we start taking back to like this is just a principle no one's trying to lie to you no one's trying to trick you there are we just know that we need to be in this system of where more energy and hopefully from fat and it will be from fat at some point is going out of the system and then you go okay 
if we can all just get onto that same page, where do genetics come into it? And then we can go back to the very basic seesaw diagram that, or, or whatever that people want to talk about. Okay, we've got energy in and then we've got energy out. And understanding that the human bodies are this dynamic system and genetics impacts so much. So take appetite. Appetite's a brilliant starting point. Um, and, and I know lots of your listeners will be these. Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description and sign up. You know, just robotic, uh, you know, superhumans who just, bah, appetite, what's that? Like, pleasure what's that food is fuel Um, but like i unfortunately like i come from more the world of real human beings not robots (laughs) like you guys um but so appetite is like if we're going to talk about genetics appetite is one of those areas where we have probably the most robust evidence around genetics in that or at least a a gene that we can name. So we have this gene called the FTO gene. And the, again, people also need to realize we are so far from genetic testing being useful. And unfortunately, there are so many people who are just sellouts, even people who I once respected, and I'm so sure, I mean, I've never been wrong when I spot a sellout years before it happens, it's going to happen. I'm not going to name his name, but they, you know, it's someone who about eight years ago said to me, you know, we're, we're 15 or so years away from ever being able to do even start doing this. And already he's there making claims. I'm like, Oh my goodness. So, but we have this FTO gene and you can't just go right. FTO gene, you've got this therefore equals we're talking these studies are done on hundreds of thousands of people and therefore on a population basis we can go oh we've got these these kind of really strong correlations the problem is as well is if if you go and get your you're struggling with to lose fat you know this question are my genes stopping me losing fat and you go i I really struggle to diet. I really struggle to lose fat. I'm always hungry and I've got a higher body weight, body fat than my friends. Cool. I go and get my genes tested. I've got the FTO gene. What does that tell me? It tells you you've probably got a higher body fat than your friends. It tells you you've probably got a higher appetite than your friends. Yeah, yeah, cool. I knew, I knew that. Obviously, I knew that already. That's why I'm here. What shall I do about it? Well, if you want to lose fat, you need to be in an energy deficit. Well, that why have I paid for this test? I already <laughs> yeah. knew that. And and this, this is the big issue. Um, now, what what makes this situation even more complex slash interesting slash worse is like there's this term constitutional thinness. I think, I think that's the word that they use in, in research, constitutional thinness. Basically, you would call it a hard gainer, right? right. It's, it's, it's like it doesn't matter what you eat, you can't gain weight. And in, in, the, in the bodybuilding industry, we know these people. We call ourselves it if we were like that and whatever. And 
that there's different theories. So there's the, the, the thrifty gene and the spendthrifty gene, genotype. And so essentially it's like, okay, people who maybe try and conserve energy more and people who are maybe more wasteful with their energy. And so there, there's so many compartments of why these things might happen. Uh, my, my spoiler for anything that we end up discussing is we just don't know what to do about it yet. Um, there is actually one thing that we might touch on because uh, I know you want to talk about it uh, that, mu- that, we, that might be to do with this. But if you, if you put it in perspective, like there, there's an, a research called Levine. He's like the man when it comes to neat studies. You're nodding. You've obviously heard him. Like everyone quotes Levine papers. Yeah. And what's actually interesting is because he gets quoted so often, there are studies that, uh, that, that question, you know, the, what I think maybe in the fitness industry, we're very much like, yeah, neat is kind of the be all and end all. It's one of these major factors that's impacting stuff. Whereas there are some decent, robust studies that are going neat. Isn't the reason, uh, or, and, I think probably most people would hopefully go, it's not the only reason, but actually some studies going, no, the differences between individuals are really not uh, explaining all of the differences. Um, but, you know, by and large, I'm happy to go, it's part of the equation. And, you know, you get one, the Levine studies, it's like, um, I can't, I'm trying to think if it was a, an overconsumption uh, yeah, I think it was. So, so when you over overfeed and you get this luxus consumption, this sort of diet induced thermogenesis, this loss of energy, um, like crazy differences of, so you get the average results in the studies, which are just boring. You want to know what's the difference between these people and you get some people 600 or more calories wasted from from overfeeding i think often they use like a thousand calories per day excess sometimes it's done as a percentage but then weirdly these other subjects where it's like minus numbers yeah. and um i like um the bouchard is it claude bouchard i think it's anyway bouchard he's like the man when it comes to twin studies so obviously twin studies when you talk about genetics are phenomenal so there's a there's a, a quite a seminal paper where he took like a, um i don't know say 6 or 12 sets of identical twins and um or, you know and identical twins aren't 100% genetically identical, but they are obviously as close that you will ever get. And they overfed them for like a hundred days on, like I said, a thousand calories. And I think it was like a thousand calories a day. I probably should have read all this stuff before this podcast. Sorry, but it's like for six out of seven days a week. And then they don't do, I'm always, whenever I think about these studies, I'm like, I wonder what, what those people did on that seventh day. And I wonder why they chose that and whatever. But Either way, you you get what ha- what's called the intra and the inter individual variability. So, and and the intra kind of being between these two twins. So, if we're the same, if you just clone me, and we do the same thing, 
what's the difference between me, me and me? And then say, you've got a twin. The inter difference is then between me and my twin and then you and your twin. And, and in, and in this study, like the, the excess calories that they fed should have led to something like, and this is off the top of my head, but it will be roughly right about nine kilograms, let's say that they should have gained. And the, and the difference between the same pairs of twins was so super close. They, so it's this big, big leap towards genetics plays a big factor. But like one of these pairs of twins, I think gained like two or four kilograms instead of nine. So it's like weird. Why? But, but one of the pairs gained like 12 kilograms. So somehow they've, you know, made energy from nowhere, which obviously they can't because we know about these laws of thermodynamics um, that, you know, energy can't be created nor destroyed, blah, blah, blah. But how? Well, how is probably, and, and I, this is me completely going off the beaten track of evidence-based, whatever. I'm just hy- completely hypothesizing. But you know, you know when you eat loads and you overeat and you just feel tired and you just sit on the couch and you fall asleep. Imagine bulking on an extra thousand calories every day and not being a bodybuilder and not having an active job and blah, blah, blah. You're just told to just absolutely plow through all these calories every single day. And you're like, oh, I just feel tired. And so maybe they moved less for you know is one possible thing and you know as i'm sort of very slowly trying to get towards there are other things other than movement that we need to discuss so um you know i I was sort of talking about appetite there so just one thing to say and this is some people again if we talk about these uh constitutional thinness individuals or um yeah appetite can switch on or off to a varying degree between individuals so this is something to be just learning more and more it's like some people can eat and keep eating their body weight keeps going off and their body doesn't defend so so the the metabolic adaptation as people if they're comfortable with those terms we often think of when you diet you get this metabolic adaptation and things slow down you know quote unquote metabolism slows down um but but that happens on the way up as well, but to very varying degree. And prob- uh, it's probably fair to say in all individuals, the body doesn't defend against weight gain as well as it does weight loss. But there still is a degree of huge variance between individuals. So there's this crazy... I I just don't know the authors, but it's like the Philadelphia prison study. I'm not sure if you're aware of, they basically said to these inmates, you, you need to gain 10% of your body weight. Are you aware of this? And I may have seen it presented. I can't remember it. Okay. Off the top and of my head. They, they basically said, uh, and 
gain body weight and free access to highly palatable buffet foods. Like just imagine this, you know, when you talk about subjects and um, the motivation of your subjects and subject adherence and blah, blah, blah. Like you have, you know, we, we, everyone kind of gets all giddy over metabolic ward studies. Cause it's like, Oh my goodness, look at the control. It's like, these people are in prison, right? We're giving them all their food. This is super cool. And then it's like, essentially take part in the study and, and, it, it goes towards say, you, you know, I don't know the exact crimes of these people, but essentially I imagine there was kind of low level crimes. You can get out early for good behavior. Please take part in this study. So you've got a motivated group of individuals, eat loads of junk food, gain fat or weight, and we'll let you out early. And they basically showed that some of these individuals simply were not able to gain weight because they were they were essentially for all these different reasons uh you know this luxus consumption that i've mentioned they're they're fidgeting more their increased body heat their you know the neat their neat goes up they're moving more and so yeah some people just really do not gain weight so it's they find it very difficult and even some of them they're just gaining muscle they're like just just overfeed and they just gain muscle and like it's like damn you i hate you like you just want to overeat and just oh just my biceps got a bit bigger it's like <laughs> damn it um but an area that i'm quite interested in that i've long spoken about in terms of like i just this sort of hypothesis and 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 just i guess met whatever it was i i competed in natural body i think over about seven uh, no five years and bowel movements is something that is just so variable as in it uh, for individuals. Like if, if anyone, it's a bit, it sounds a bit gross, doesn't it? But like, um, but I mean, it's not as tracking your bowel movements. Like I'm just saying like, Oh, I haven't gone today. Oh, I haven't gone for four days, you know, at the, the end of contest prep and whatever. But I mean, it's like, Oh, that's a bit graphic to be discussing that. I'm like, well, how about let's discuss the studies where they, where they look at the energy content of fecal matter. It's like, you know, do you want to know how they do that? Have you heard of a bomb calorimeter? You know how they find out the number of calories in your almonds? Well, now they're doing that with your feces. <laughs> and it's like, and this, this is just a super interesting area for me in terms of these thrifty and spendthrifty kind of, you know, it's still a hypothesis, but we do know that overfeeding and underfeeding impacts our gut bacteria and the the energy harvest from food. So you've got all these zealots out there going, oh, cat, you know, cat, don't calorie count, don't track calories, don't, calories are irrelevant. Just anyone who says that is categorically an idiot or a liar. Like they're one of those two without fail because no fair human being, like anyone who says that is either trying to make money off you or is just a dummy. Like there's no two ways about it. Like there's all these researchers coming out saying it, there's the whoever. And it's because they've got uh, shares in biotech companies who are trying to sell you individualized nutrition, personal interventions based on 
gut microbiome, send us your feces, do this continuous glucose monitoring, get your DNA tested. None of that stuff works yet. I will be the first person to jump on those bandwagons. Like I, I, I was, you know, doing the research on DNA testing back in 2000 and six like my my published research in experimental physiology gets put on these stupid dna testing kits like oh angiotensin converting enzyme polymorphism means that it's like no it doesn't that's my research get off um i'll be the first one to jump on those bandwagons of food intolerance testing dna testing but they they just we're just not there Mm -hmm. um but we do know that this you know, first of all, we know that, for instance, almonds, they're like the poster food, right? It's like, oh, almonds, 32% less calories absorbed than what is on the labeling of the packet. Um, for, you know, what's the word? Um, conveniently funded by the Almond Association, that paper. But <laughs> I, 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 I've no reason to believe that that it, those, it's just funny, isn't it? It's like... Yeah. Um, you know, and we are understanding this more and more that these whole foods, these, you know, there, there was the, a paper I've spoken about a lot of times where they just swapped out all grains, whole grains for processed grains. It was just a hundred percent, one diet, a hundred percent processed, one diet, a hundred percent whole grains. And the, the, when we talk about calories in, People kind of forget just because you put something in your mouth doesn't make it calories in like that's not. It's just such a simplistic, and whenever I do my tour, I'm just like, you know, make jokes about just because you put it in your mouth doesn't make it calories in. And even if you swallow it, it's still not calories in. Like we're talking about, um, you know, ingestion and then digestion, assimilation, and then absorption, but then also storage. So one of the things about this whole constitutional thinness is, people tend to just absorb fat quite easily and, and store fat quite easily, but there's a big inter individual variation in the storage or use of carbohydrates and protein. So, so again, if a really understudied area is just like urinary excretion of, you know, for instance, we know the kind of urea cycle and these waste products. And as I mentioned, fecal, energy content changes with under and overfeeding. So it's annoying. And I've given you a very, very long answer, sorry, to your, to your initial question, but it's genetics play a massive factor, but you're dealt a hand of cards and currently there's no way to change your cards or cheat the dealer i'm trying to keep it on a like a poker (laughs) analogy but i'm gonna stop but it's the same thing you still need to find ways it might be a bit harder for you you might be rowing upstream versus someone else but the same things apply you can't tell your body no please when i overfeed you um Please just make me move more, you know, in an unconscious fashion. Just make me fidget a bit more. You can't do that. You can't go, when I, when I overeat, please don't absorb all those calories. Like, 
please make my fecal matter higher in energy content. Like we just, you don't have this control. So it's like, we've, we're all still working off, unfortunately, some fairly boring constructs of the energy equation. But the one thing that I do on my podcast quite a lot, talking to general public is, and just the world, I want the world to be a better place, a more kind place. This whole idea that it's down to personal responsibility and you're lazy if you're, you know, and what you look like is deems your knowledge. Like I'm sure even in your world, like because you're not taking loads of steroids, people are like, oh, well, what do you know? So-and-so is massive compared to you. And it's like, because he's on loads of drugs or even if he's not on loads of drugs, he's got better genetics than me. And it's irrelevant. It doesn't, what someone looks like, there's literally no semblance of their knowledge on a topic and whenever i say this online i still get people arguing going well no actually you know i do know what you're trying to say here but actually if someone does have knowledge you would think that they probably will apply some of that knowledge and it will at least show in their physique someone i'm not saying it's the be all and end all but it will and i'm like my professors at university were literally some of the most knowledgeable human beings on the planet and they couldn't care less about benching and bicep curls it's irrelevant mate but they just they can't get out of their heads like no it will affect it a bit it's like it's not because what if i am a want to be a strong man and and therefore you look at me and go you got high body fat what do you know about fat loss it's like i know loads about fat loss but just it's not my goal to be lean it just doesn't make sense so i sort of try and say to people it's not you know the way someone looks they could be trying just as hard as you they could be doing just as much exercise as you they could have a you know my diet is not like super amazing but I look like probably I try quite hard but I don't and you know and I've I've always been very like I'm not I don't want you to buy anything or believe me based on anything about how I look it's um it's it's not a selling point and you will be so misled if you buy stuff or listen to stuff or take advice from people based on how they look it's just not how things work it's the whole personal responsibility pushing like oh fat people should blah 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 like it's just idiotic from a from an academic point of view and it's just purely unkind and just it's not and i'm not saying oh maybe they need some tough love like we could go into the research on shame and how that doesn't actually affect change in people but what i'm saying is genetics play a huge role and you get you get matey boy who down the pub drinking pints eating rubbish food and his body just basically make those calories come out in his feces and he fidgets a bit more but he's got a terrible diet then you've got someone else who goes to the gym all the time eats really well but their body wants them to store more body fat possibly because they're female because you know males and females are very different but also possibly because of an, a, a myriad of different genetic factors anyway i want to stop talking <laughs> I have so many thoughts. Um, I might lose some of them, but one of them to to keep the the trail on feces because people love talking about that. So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Flor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. 
the Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people, uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is gonna be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there, you can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. There's also gonna be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're gonna have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're gonna be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.